Welcome to Business Data Insights, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast series, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about how they use a range of data to analyze business performance and inform strategic planning and decision-making. These interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode. Nia Yari Giam, Jaganba na Gayabu, Yarrawa peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giyabul and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba. Our guest for this episode leads KPMG's mergers and acquisitions practice in Queensland and has provided lead advisory services to clients for over 18 years. Brendan Larson specialises in the origination and execution of a full range of transactions, including acquisitions, mergers, divestments, joint ventures and capital raisings. Some of Brendan's recent client engagements include leading the sale of the Weiss ice cream business to Unilever, a partial sale and capital raising for footwear company Frankie Four, the sale of Genie Solutions software to IFM investors, and the merger of two of Australia's largest independently owned radiology businesses. Brennan has developed expertise across a number of sectors, including software and technology, consumer markets, healthcare and industrial markets, and is the national leader for education and healthcare for KPMG's M&A practice. Brendan Larson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Brendan, can you tell me a little bit about your organisation and what you do for them? Yeah, sure can. Um, so I'm a partner at KPMG. Um, so a lot of people have probably heard of KPMG. So it's a, a very large professional services uh, firm. So we've got you know close to 6,000 staff here in Australia and we've got close to you know a couple of hundred thousand staff around the world. Um, and so we are a... We're a, an advisory organisation. Um, we do a whole range of different things. We do. Um, uh, we have a large audit business. We have a large tax business. And what a lot of people don't know is that we also have a very large advisory business that does a lot of um, different business advisory services across a whole range of different functions and geographies and industries. And, and your main aim at the business is looking at mergers and acquisitions? Yeah, correct. So I, I lead a team, uh, so I'm, I'm based in Brisbane and there are other partners um, who are my colleagues who are based in other parts of the country as well. And, and we lead a team of professionals just engaged in helping our clients look at M&A transactions. So anything from raising capital to divesting a business to acquiring a business or merging Really anything where there's some sort of equity exchange um, is when we get involved. And how did you uh, decide you wanted to get into that line of work? Yeah, um, like a lot of people, I, I sort of fell into it, actually. Um, so I started I started my career after I finished university. Um, I did a, a Bachelor of Business uh, at university and I actually started working in the banking sector originally and... Then I had an opportunity to work for one of the semi-government bodies here in Queensland, which advised a lot of the state-owned enterprises on some of their equity-related matters. Um, and a lot of that was, was dealing with the private sector, so how they would um, contract and enter into commercial arrangements with the, with the private sector. And that really led me to KPMG, and I got to know um, some people at KPMG and 
sort of cut a long story short, I, I was introduced to one of the partners who ran the M&A business at the time and um, started to chat to him about what the opportunity might be like to join the firm. And so he offered me a role and that was um, that was kind of 19 years ago. So I've been here quite a long time. And, and it's been an amazing opportunity um, looking at your resume and the type of uh, mergers that you've been involved with. It's been really interesting actually. So, so I, I kind of think back, I would say when I first started in the M&A business, um, the market certainly in Queensland was quite immature in terms of its you know, our clients didn't have a lot of knowledge around how to actually execute M&A deals. Mm. That's changed really quite dramatically. So, you know, over the past 20 years, there's a, a lot more sophistication in the market now. Clients are, are very well informed. Um, you know, there's multiple advisors um, active and um, there's also a lot of sources of capital. So a lot of, you know, private equity funds, et cetera, chasing opportunities. And that's really, um, really strengthened the market, which has been good. So it's been a good, good time. Is it a lot more international now than it was 20 years ago? Definitely is, yeah. So um, it used to be probably more common to have interstate parties that you were dealing with across the table on an M&A deal. I would say seven to eight out of ten of our counterparties are now international counterparties. Um, and that's, you know, quite often it's investment looking you know, offshore investment looking to buy assets or make acquisitions here in Australia, but it's also the other way. It's There's a lot of really smart Australian businesses, you know, um, chasing international opportunities, which is which is exciting as well. Yeah. This episode, we're, we're dealing with data. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do with data at KPMG? Sure. Um, and I can, I can probably give you my, um, obviously, my business context around data. So, we, you know, it, really everything we do in an M&A transaction is data-led. So there is um, a range of information that, that we will look at, not only client-based information, but also information in relation to the marketplace, as well as what competitors to our clients are doing. And, you know, it really influences how we think about actually strategy from a from an M&A transaction perspective. So there is always in any transaction that we get involved in is a there's usually a you know a several month process early early on to really pull apart all of our clients' information uh, and understand the building blocks of the business and the drivers and to look at it at, at our clients' place in the market um, and all of that is driven by by the data sources that we get hold of. So you're really trying to analyse the organisation's performance by looking at the data sources that you can gather. Yeah, correct. And, and a lot of that analysis is comparative. So um, like one of the really interesting things that has changed over the time I've been doing this work is that, the, the, you know, and you hear it not just in our industry but across across you know, multiple industries, is just that the availability of data has exponentially grown. And so, uh, you know, the days of really trying to find publicly available sources of data, there's now in many ways sometimes too much information yeah. and so it's it's filtering some of that information back to say okay well what is really important but you know, the, the the point of your question is you know analyzing it from a client's perspective it is very comparative so you're looking at you know how a client performs on a whole range of measures and trying to compare that to the broader marketplace and, and some of their competitors for example to, to understand where they sit and how do you gather that data on, on the business? Is it, is it simply that you ask for it and they supply it to you or is it a lot more in-depth than that? 
No, it is, it is similar to that. So um, I guess the way to think about it is there's, you know, I, I like to segment the data into sort of two camps, I guess. So you've got internal data or information, and a lot of that comes from the businesses themselves. Um, and we have a, a pretty well-worn process where we, we request an awful lot of information up front. You know, and we have clients who say to us often, why do we need to provide this level of information? And then when we get into the details of the transaction, it becomes sort of more evident to them. Um, so that's more the internal piece. There's also the external data sources that we that we seek. And so as a firm like ours, we subscribe to a range of independent third parties that publish a range of industry st- statistics, for example. Um, there's also a range of publicly available data that you can obtain, for example, from Australian Bureau of Statistics or other offshore organisations or semi-government organisations such as that. And, and the data that you're gathering, is it chiefly financial data, data about employees' numbers and, and how much they're working, how much profit the business is making, or are there other elements involved? Definitely other elements. So people often think of KPMG, you know, we are, our heritage is as a large accounting practice. So so there is absolutely a financial, a very strong financial element to what we are doing. And a number of the transactions we get involved in are, are driven by the financial returns and the financial outcomes. So there's a, there's a very large pool of financial data that we, we do request. But equally, we also ask for a range of qualitative information as well. And that covers things um, you've already talked about employees, for example, but it also covers things like um, the legal environment the business operates in, you know, the regulatory environment, the sector themes that are driving um, different changes in industries, you know, just a whole range of real, really qualitative factors as well. Does that mean, Brendan, that you're you're not just trying to tell a, a purchaser of a business that that business is profitable now, but what they might face in the future? Yeah, 100%. So the really sort of interesting dynamic around these M&A transaction processes is decisions are the past influences people's perception of the present, but the data you're looking for is the data that gives a point to what's going to happen in the future because nobody will make an investment decision without a view or a thesis around where a particular business is going to head uh, and the, the industry that they operate in, what are the dynamics around that and, and, and does this business have the competitive advantage to win in that, in that environment? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is very forward-focused. What types of data would you say are most important for uh, planning these mergers and acquisitions? Oh, look, it, it, is, it is hard to put a finger on what, you know, what is the most critical um, because I would say to you, in each transaction process, um, it's often quite different. So, for, so, so for example, um, if, if I had a client who was active in an industry that was quite domestically focused, um, and so let's say it was um, uh, had some growth opportunities only in the domestic market, then the information that would be critical to them uh, to that business would be all around domestic demand. Um, however, if I had a business that was really projecting itself as an international growth opportunity, then the much more relevant um, information for that business would be what is happening in the markets that it is looking to head into or is operating in offshore and what are the unique dynamics that are impacting that business in those, those markets. And so the sources that you look for are quite different. 
if you wanted to throw a blanket across it, um, you keep coming back, though, to the, to the issue of growth. So where is growth going to come from? What does growth look like? And is the, is the business and the industry in a, a growth dynamic or is it plateauing or is it, in fact, in an industry or a dynamic where it's, it's likely to shrink? And are there um, circumstances where it is still a good idea to purchase a business that is possibly not doing well, not making profit? Absolutely, yeah, and this is this is the interesting dichotomy. So, so there's a whole, you know there's a whole range of reasons why investors or, or purchasers or acquirers look look to make an acquisition, and you know there's been um, several examples where parties have acquired businesses that you would think are in um, what we describe as sunset industries, mm-hmm. uh, industries that, for example, might be impacted by technology. Yet, um, because they've been acquired for quite reasonable sums uh, and the future cash that is being generated by those businesses is well enough to, to manage a healthy return, then, yeah, those M&A deals, you know, get done. So, yeah, you, you need to sort of peel back the onion a little bit and look under the skin of it to really understand um, why those decisions are being made. So, so, so there's quite a lot of detective work that can be done in this. It's not just about looking at figures and projecting what's going to happen on a graph, but it sounds to me that there's a lot more depth in, in this work? There is. And um, you, you often, I mean, one of, the, one of the common things that you hear in a number of industries is there's, there's art as well as science involved. And, and I would say there's, that's, that's never been more true in sort of M&A uh, advisory work. So it is, you know, getting that understanding uh, around really what is, what is happening on the ground floor. And that, that's actually a really important point is, you know, sometimes you've got to be careful that also the data sources that you, that you look at can be um, lagging in terms of what is actually happening at the coalface of a business. Yeah. For example, you, we, we never just take what we read for granted. It's always an, a bit of an interrogation process to also have questions with our clients around, okay, well, what, you know, this is what the data is telling us. Is that your experience at the coalface of the business on a day-to-day basis or is, in fact, this data misleading um so that's 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 the art i guess yes that that's a good point that data is only really as good as um its collection it's way the way it's collected uh its age and how many sources that data is coming from um how much it's summarized and so forth yeah correct yeah on that point how does technology play a part today in collecting data and analyzing it yeah it would, it would have to have been the biggest change i've seen uh, in the past, you know, 10 to 15 years has been the whole piece around technology. So as a firm, we have invested, you know, a lot in developing proprietary analytical tools that we now use uh, for our clients. And, it, and it, it's really important to help tell, tell a story. Um, so, for example, we have, you know, a product where we can get transactional level data for our clients um, and we produce what's described internally as a data cube and then that just enables you to create really deep insights into, for example, um, how customers purchase, um, how often they purchase, average basket size, um, what drives them to make repeat purchases and it's a way that um, actually gives our clients insights into, you know, the day-to-day running of their business. They, They probably intuitively know a number of the things that our analysis tells them, but but it puts really hard and fast information in front of them. 
and that's that's really just one example. I mean, the other the other examples where technology's made a big impact has been just around the. I made the point earlier on about how how you can sometimes have too much information, mm. and so um, you know when I first started uh, doing M and A and we needed to do some research, for example, on a company or an industry, you know we would you know go to the usual usual sources. We'd do Google searches, or I don't even think. Google was around when I started, but you know we would search through others, some other search engine. But but these days, you know, there are industry experts uh, that you can tap. Um, there's uh, and and a lot of the information that those experts um, produce is published online, and so there's just an awful lot of additional information that you never had access to before. And I guess then that sort of comes to the point where you have to have a strategy about how you collect that data and what's useful, what's very useful, what's somewhat useful and so forth. Can you tell me, does KPMG have a strategy uh, around data? Yeah, we do. Um, so we have a, a group within our firm here and their, their sole job is to help clients uh, get the most out of their organisational data. And so, um, you know, we will work with them from an M&A perspective if we're looking to do a transaction for a client. But there's other parts of our firm that will also work with them for other reasons. And um, that's a team that sort of gets access to, you know, a lot of that transactional level information and gets, uh, you know, as I said, their job is to give rich insights uh, to our clients around, you know, how that's um, what their data is telling them. At the end of these transactions, um, when you're advising the client, how do you present and communicate the data to them? Is it simply a case of creating a, a, a PDF and, and a paper and, and sitting down with them and explaining what you found? Yeah, it is. Um, and so one, one of the real challenges actually with that, because we just talked about you know, the volume of information and data that's, that's available, is how to distill that into really actionable and key messages. So we, we actually spend a lot of time... Um, uh, producing, I guess, quite summarised documents. And, and look, just, you know, practically we use things like PowerPoint and we use a lot of graphing tools and things. But it's it's taking something that's, you know, reasonably complex and, just, you know, distilling it into key messages. And at the end of the day, clients, our clients are very busy. They're running their businesses. They're responding actively on a day-to-day basis to what's going on in the marketplace. So they don't want to see, you know, thousands and thousands of rows of information. They, they just want to know what the answer is. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking carefully about that and the way to present the information that's actually quite user-friendly for, for, for our clients. So you're, you're getting all those sort of financial indicators and the non-financial indicators together, the quantitative, the qualitative, and presenting a story for the client that they can understand quickly about what your advice is. Exactly. That's right. And, you know, um, I mean, every year seems to get even more and more so, but, you know, 20 years ago uh, compared to today, you know, clients just have less time. You know, they're just dealing with, with more issues on a, on a day-to-day basis and so they just want quick results and they want meaningful advice. Um, and so, yeah, the way you present it is, is critical. And so, you know, it, it comes back to, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to be, you know, great at data analytics and be able to pull all of that information together and but you know almost the more important thing is how you communicate that and so you know for for the students of of this course um you know i'd strongly encourage them to really think about communication styles and techniques and 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 making sure that they have that they they give that equal uh equal time 
Yes, the the communication of it is extremely important to aid the the client who's probably not as uh, definitely not as skilled um, and experienced as you are in terms of that data and and those financial indicators uh, to make their decision. You're obviously leading them towards that decision, but in the end, it's up to them. So, how much of a role is that relationship playing? Massive relationship. So uh, it's a a, um, you know, we I sometimes joke about this, but, you know, we, we end up, from an M&A perspective, we end up being very closely involved with our clients while we're going through a transaction process to the point where there are several conversations a day with our clients in the lead up to completion where we're dealing and advising them on a whole range of issues. Um, again, financial and non-financial issues in terms of how those issues will impact the transaction when we're trying to execute for them. Um, and then, uh, so, you, so you do build this incredibly close working relationship with your clients and it's, um, it, it's one of the most satisfying elements of the role, frankly, is, is, is being able to help your clients through those really fraught and challenging times. I want to end on any advice that you have for our students here at USQ about the use of data in decision making, um, especially as they themselves graduate and come into senior leadership roles at the beginning level. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the points I made earlier is probably the most critical, and that is you can be overwhelmed by the volume of data that's available. But what you need to be really, really careful about is that the data that you're obtaining is not disconnected from what's happening on a day-to-day basis at the coalface of a business. And so my advice to people is consult widely. Um, don't um, just rely on the info. There, there can be a tendency, I think, for people just to rely on what they have read and what they have seen through their research sources. Um, but often the more critical pieces of information come from the conversations you have, right, from industry participants from management, from CEOs, from board members uh, and from employees. So um, so don't forget that that element to data collation is, is as if not more important. Yes, yeah, so data is only really a reflection of the people uh, that are running the business in the end anyway. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Brendan Larson, partner at KPMG, thank you very much for coming on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast produced by the Office for the Advancement of Learning and Teaching.